Welcome to a special Illumination by Modern Campus series, where we discuss how continuing education acts as an incubator for higher ed executives. We're speaking to presidents of colleges and universities across North America who each got their start in the continuing, professional, and online education space. For the third episode of our series, Evolution Editor-in-Chief and Illumination host Amrit Alawalia is joined by Carlos Cortez, Chancellor of the San Diego Community College District. The two discuss Cortez's transition from overseeing continuing education to leading an entire district, and how to make the necessary changes in order to create an accessible space for non-traditional learners. Well, Carlos, uh, welcome to the Illumination Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Amrit. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Absolutely. And, and I'm excited. You know, this is uh, our, our third episode now in our series on uh, continuing education as a leadership incubator. Um, so I'm, I'm so glad you, you've you joined us. Uh, you ascended into the role of chancellor at the San Diego Community College District in 2021 um, when you were appointed there. Prior to that, you were president of San Diego uh, College of Continuing Education. I, how have you found that transition from uh, from an executive role where you're overseeing continuing ed into one overseeing the, the entire district? In some ways, the job is the same. Um, I think it was particularly helpful for me to um, oversee the College of Continuing Education because of its multi-campus configuration. Um, the College of Continuing Education has seven campuses, and so in many ways, I was sort of the, the superintendent of an adult high school. Um, and so I think that skill set lent itself um, to the coordination of uh, you know, the seventh largest community college district in the United States. Um, I think the biggest challenge I've had, and, and frankly, anyone who has uh, been promoted um, during the pandemic has been uh, the difficulty around reopening um, and starting a new position uh, particularly those who have started a position in a district where they didn't work before. I, I pity them <laughs> uh, sincerely. Um, at least I had um, a, 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 the experience of working in the district and had established some relationships across the other institutions. But, um, you know, all in all, you know, we're it's a wonderful time, I think, to be a community college. We've had significant investment from our state and federal government. Um, and despite the, the sluggish enrollment, we are uh, uh, seeing the hemorrhaging uh, beginning to stop and, and, and enrollments are coming back. And so um, we are excited about what the future holds for the San Diego Community College District and, and other districts around the state. Absolutely. Well, that's, I mean, that's really positive. And, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, your professional interest in the post-secondary space and event, especially uh, when it comes to serving non-traditional learners, because that's very much been uh, a, a central part of, of your career. Um, obviously, you were the director of extension um, for uh, Director of Education Extension at UCLA. Um, you served as a VP Instruction uh, and Dean of Instruction at Berkeley City College as part of the Peralta uh, Community College District. Uh, then, you know, the roles we just talked about with the San Diego Community College District. Why are you so interested in, in finding ways to make post-secondary education accessible and high quality for non-traditional learners? I think my interest in non-traditional learners started um, when I was a K-12 educator. Um, the, my last assignment was, was uh, as principal of a charter school uh, that served pregnant and parenting uh, young women uh, between the ages of uh, freshman year of high school and 24. Uh, and so we were serving adult learners in a K-12 environment and providing them with dual enrollment opportunities in, in adult education, career education, and community college pathways. Um, so uh, it, it has been my charge since coming into education to um, uh, 
help transform our institutions so that they can better serve our client or our customer. And I think the inverse, unfortunately, has often been um, the case in higher education, uh, particularly in state institutions. There's been sort of an assumption that uh, the client or the customer needs to configure themselves, their interests, their mm -hmm. needs around the organization as opposed to the organization evolving to serve the student. <laughs> and, and I think we um, that reality became ever clear uh, for many higher education administrators during the pandemic. Uh, my organization in particular um, was reluctant to embrace distance education. Uh, we just had faculty who for many years believed that the best modality for teaching and learning was the traditional brick and mortar environment. And, and they were pushed out of their comfort zone. Interestingly, uh, many of these naysayers have now become champions of distance education, having been forced in a place of discomfort. And I'm not arguing or asserting that all programs um, are optimally delivered online and that mm -hmm. there isn't a value to in-person education. But I do believe um, that the market, particularly for non-traditional adult learners, um, has suggested that they're looking for particular attributes in an educational opportunity. You know, they want flexibility. Um, they want uh, uh, credit for prior learning when possible. Um, they want a, a reasonable um, tuition rates. Um, they expect the ability to have um, relationships with their peers, their colleagues in a class setting, but also with their faculty member. And some of these uh, uh, facets or characteristics of programs that were developed for non-traditional students, I think, um, have been built into the products or the educational opportunities that we currently afford them um, here in the United States. But I also think we have significant work to do in this regard, particularly around the latter two points. Um, I think most uh, uh, opportunities that we've created for non-traditional students forget the importance of the interpersonal human connection. And, and I think that's where the pendulum has swinged a bit too far um, in the proprietary space. And I think this is an opportunity for state institutions to re-engage adult learners, is to recognize the importance of building a relationship in real times, whether that's brick and mortar face-to-face -face or online face-to-face. -face. That in-person connection, I think, is requisite for non-traditional learners, largely because they're not traditional students for a reason. Um, they typically have not had positive experiences with education in the past, which is why they didn't continue to pursue education when they completed their K-12 studies. And many of them lack the confidence um, or uh, uh, the belief in themselves um, that they have the wherewithal to be successful post-secondary students. And so I think it's important and incumbent upon a faculty member to believe in their students, uh, to set high expectations, to raise the bar, but also be cognizant that there are going to be instances where any student is going to is going to skip up and is going to need someone to help get them back on their feet, um, to be compassionate and kind, but then reestablish those high expectations to challenge them to be the best that they can. It's also critically important that students have opportunities to engage with each other. <clears throat> Most of what we see available that's directed specifically at online learners, and I won't name the institutions, but most of them can roll off the tip of my tongue. You know, are, they, they focus keenly on flexibility, but they, um, they minimize the importance of that human interaction. And so I believe having collaborative learning opportunities for students to meet outside of the classroom mm -hmm. in between um, live lecture sessions or discussion sessions is critical um, for student success. When I look back on my educational development um, and academic growth, 
um, those opportunities were key, um, those human relationships. Um, so I do believe that we're in a unique um, space um, in that first we have this growing pressure that there are fewer and fewer individuals coming out of K-12 institutions. And so no. matter of economics, um, but in many ways, the California community college system has seeded tradition, uh, non-traditional adult learners. And when you look at who's enrolled in our classes, when you look at the demographics of our organizations, they increasingly skew younger. And 20, 30 years ago, it was very normal um, to see a 35-year-old student in an English 101 class. And, and that's, that's becoming increasingly abnormal, um, where we're serving uh, younger people and increasingly students who are concurrently enrolled in high school. And so we also have to create spaces and environments on our campus and in online programs where students can feel comfortable with like peers. And so here in our district, we are establishing a committee um, that's looking specifically at the needs of online learners and how we can better package our programming uh, to serve them. And that probably will look like a combination of in-person and online uh, synchronous and asynchronous courses um, where students are allowed to take one or two courses at a time as opposed to the five or six course load we expect of an 18 year old coming into one of our colleges, uh, a cohort model where they can build relationships with peers over the course of their two year program of study. Uh, uh, but one that also builds in lots of flexibility with, you know, by focus on evening and the weekends and one that is marketed and packaged specifically for this population. Um, so they're studying with peers who've had similar life experiences. Um, probably the group we notice, aside from uh, men of color, which you know consistently seem to take uh, the brunt of any sort of uh, a crisis we experience in the United States, uh, the population that was most impacted by the pandemic was adults over 40. That's where we saw major reductions, and particularly for working adults with children. Um, that's where we saw significant hits as well. So what that tells us is we need increased opportunities for childcare. Um, we need increased opportunities and to address the needs of parents with students. Uh, sorry, parents with children. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an interesting, and, and we're going to get back to, to leadership development and those kinds of things within the context of CE. But before we do, I mean, as you think about shaping shaping the institution so that it's designed to be an accessible and a welcoming place for non-traditional learners. You mentioned some of the services that are involved in that. You've mentioned some of the pedagogical changes or, or instructional changes to program design that need to happen. How do you how do you budget for those changes? How do you how do you create the necessary space to spend so that the college can make those those changes and add those services to create that space for adult learners? Because I mean, we all we all know that. You know, but budgets are relatively tight. And one of the reasons I think for so many colleges that the status quo seems so welcoming is that it's justifiable to continue spending where spending has already happened. It's more challenging to, to change uh, a budgetary model to start investing in new areas. Absolutely. This is one of the key challenges, particularly public institutions face on um, private institutions that have amassed some um, significant wealth um, are able to invest in entrepreneurial or innovative ideas. Um, uh, but I also think it's critical that we identify the resources to do so. Um, so as the president of the College of Continuing Education, you're aware that we started um, ICOM Academy, um, yes. which was the first fully online adult <coughs> career technical education a college, if you would, in the state of California. Um, these accredited 
uh, of vocational training programs um, have now exceeded 37 offerings. Um, so more than half of the career technical education certificates offered to the College of Continuing Education are now being offered 100% online. To build these courses out <clears throat> took a significant investment in resources. Each course takes about $50,000 to produce uh, mm -hmm. because we're working with uh, a third-party company that's deploying a whole team of consultants, graphic designers, videographers, copy editors, content specialists, project managers, who are working with teams of faculty at the College of Continuing Education to produce professionally produced content online. And, and one of the advantages of working with them is this team knows um, how to take uh, the content that we want to deliver and to make it highly interactive. Um, this program also, as I mentioned earlier, requires face-to-face -face instruction online, synchronous mm -hmm. instruction, as well as collaboration uh, amongst students between classes so that they build those interpersonal relationships. Um, the first uh, uh, sort of tranche of courses that we produced came from a state grant to build out distance education offerings that we were awarded. And that allowed us, I think, to put three certificates online. And the real advantage, frankly, came shortly thereafter um, with COVID. Um, we launched ICOM Academy in, in June of 2021. And so the College of Continuing Education was uniquely positioned going into the pandemic that it had already prepared um, to put a number of their offerings 100% online, including the student services and supports necessary for their success. Um, <clears throat> over the past three years, with funding from the state and federal government, the College of Continuing Education um, used stimulus dollars, which were designed to help engage students online to develop more of these offerings. And so it created a blueprint, I think, that can be replicated. The challenge now, as you um, just noted, is these federal dollars are, are drying up. And, and we're going to face real challenges, particularly until we can get our enrollment back to pre-pandemic numbers. And so it requires us to think outside the box about how we support our three credit colleges in building similar types of programming. Um, we are looking at uh, several grant opportunities, um, NSF grant opportunities in particular, um, to train working adults for high demand, high wage jobs um, in, in, in STEM. Um, cybersecurity, mobile app development, um, IT, graphic design. Um, these are uh, opportunities uh, that uh, in our community remain high demand, high wage jobs. And so how can we leverage our existing programming, but package it in a way um, that meets the needs of working adults? And so frankly, I think it falls upon us to, to locate the funding. And so we as a district are developing an office of entrepreneurship and development um, and we'll have it fully staffed by January of this year. And that, that team is going to be charged with taking the recommendations of this committee that we formed to focus on the needs of working adults and then identifying the resources necessary for us to implement that vision. You know, I think you've actually hinted at, at the response to my next question, um, because I think, you know, this speaks to that, the entrepreneurial, the, the demand-oriented mindset of, of a continuing ed leader. And I'm curious, I mean, obviously through this series, we're talking to a number of, of folks who have a background in continuing ed that moved, that have moved into executive leadership roles. What is it about CE that builds a skill set for future institution level leaders? Well, I think uh, the first and foremost, uh, it, it's uh, the continuing education space is usually committed to serving the most vulnerable students. 
in, in, in the sort of the community college ecosystem or in the higher mm-hmm. ed ecosystem. And so first, I think it, it, it allows us to build a, a, a real authentic commitment um, to social justice and inclusion. And if that's the litmus test through which we then make decisions about how to um, impact institutional change or bring about institutional change, then that lens I think is vital um, because it, it's the driving force. And when we're committed to making a real difference in the lives of those who experience the most disproportionate impact, then it requires um, vision. It requires um, a, an entrepreneurial spirit that when we fail with one approach, we're gonna get back up and find another approach. And it requires a sense of urgency. And I think that's most critical. Um, there has to be a fire in our belly where uh, we believe um, um, in the work that we're doing and, and, and we believe in our ability um, and our team's ability to, to uh, bring about the transformation necessary to make a difference in the lives of the students and the families we serve. Absolutely. And, it, and I mean, to that point, you obviously you have experience working in continuing ed, both at, at the university and at the community college level. And I'm curious just how you've seen the prioritization or how different is, is continuing ed approach uh, in, in the two different kinds of systems. Oh, um, there's some overlap, um, particularly around continuing education units and um, the emphasis on short, short-term workforce development. Um, the main difference, I would say, is you know continuing education in most higher education settings, particularly the four-year settings, are they're entrepreneurial programs at their core because they're not subsidized, mm-hmm. and so there's a real emphasis on profit, frankly, right. on generating revenue. Um, and in the community college sector, first, um, our programs are much more diverse and expansive. Um, you know, we serve over 40,000 students a year at the College of Continuing Education, which includes um, alternative pathways to the adult high school diploma or equivalency, um, English as a second language, citizenship, courses for adults with disabilities, um, uh, and then, of course, lots of workforce development programs. But everything we do is free of charge. Mm-hmm. It's 100% free of charge to the public. And anyone who resides in the state of California, regardless of their immigration status, can enroll in these courses. And so um, unlike the four-year institutions, even the non-for-profits, you know, the public higher education institutions, what sets us apart is that there is no profit motivation here. Um, There's no desire to earn uh, revenue from the individuals who are enrolling in our classes because the state subsidizes these enrollments. And so that allows us really to focus on our mission uh, which is creating opportunity for our students. And it it, it doesn't have us sort of hamstrapped uh, with an expectation from uh, the university higher-ups that we're generating X much revenue to com- contribute to the coffers of the university each year. So instead, the focus is really on, you know, how can we use this different platform to continue to, to be the community's college? Yeah. One That's thing I will say that we could do better in public ed organizations, uh, sorry, in community college continuing education divisions is a more emphasis on CEUs and continuing mm-hmm. education units. That's a purpose that, that many of the uh, four-year institutions do provide. And I think we need to find creative ways to continue um, uh, uh, to continue our relationships with students who come to us for initial certification. And so there are opportunities to upskill um, and we need to try to maintain longstanding relationships with our students. 
Well, that's actually kind of where I wanted to go because for community colleges, there there doesn't seem to be, obviously there isn't the same focus on alumni engagement that you tend to see in the four-year space, although the alumni engagement in the four-year space also tends to be more oriented around, around donations. And I'm curious from a community college perspective, how continuing ed divisions can play a role in building sort of a lifelong learning relationship with students so that the, the learner continues to see the college as the hub for their lifelong education as opposed to, you know, a stopping off point or maybe a jumping off point for for you know a, a life stage yeah when you know, it's, a, it's awkward phenomena but when i arrived at this uh, institution i was surprised to hear that when students <clears throat> exited the institution there was an exit interview which they um, could opt to participate in and then in that process they could opt to continue receiving emails from us in the future when i worked for other continuing education institutions when a student enrolled, like with AT&T, <laughs> once I gave them my email address, that means they have the right to contact me to promote their products and, hmm. and all kinds of messaging until I chose to opt out. And so we have transformed how we engage with our current students by flipping that narrative so that we can continue to engage with our students. I'll give an example. In the College of Continuing Education, there are seven stackable welding certificates. And so based on your prior learning, based on your skill and your interest, you typically would come in at the first level unless you had advanced experience in the field. Um, once you're done with level one welding, it would be ideal for you to come back at some point and take level two welding. <laughs> but we were unable to contact our students to tell them when the level two welding classes were starting and when there were spaces available. And that mm -hmm. seemed foolish to me. Um, and so exactly what you've put your, your finger on is, is what we're trying to uh, uh, lead to in our district, which is creating opportunities for our students to have lifelong relationships with our college. Uh, we are now uh, just beginning to offer four-year degrees in the California Community College System. And so that's going to create additional opportunities to build lasting relationships with our students. Um, the the uh, focus on the development of an office of entrepreneurship and development is largely on the engagement of our current and former students and employees, frankly, and, and how can we establish relationships where they um, want to give back in ways um, to organizations like ours that helped put them on a, you know, put them on a, a professional course or a, an academic pathway um, that they otherwise wouldn't have been afforded if it wasn't for the opportunities the college district provided. Um, but as you're aware, um, you know, community colleges haven't historically been engaged in ambitious alumni um, engagement efforts. Uh, but that's about to change, I believe. Um, and I think that uh, as the um, the role of community colleges continues to modernize and transform, um, as we're offering more advanced degrees, um, I think, and, and particularly as we're offering more housing opportunities as well, mm -hmm. it creates a, 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 a more of a, a culture of belonging uh, for those who are coming onto our campuses or enrolling in our programs that maybe didn't exist in the past. Um, uh, you know, we have increased emphasis on student clubs and athletics and, and, and work opportunities on campus. And so our students are more and more part of the culture of the college than I think was the case four decades ago. And so that's going to create opportunities, I think, to build on um, um, the, the experience that students had in our organizations. Um, and I do believe that, you know, part of the challenge we've had is we've just never asked. 
And I know there's many, many people who, you know, I'm at the grocery store, I'm at the, you know, the local department store, and people walk up to me to, to thank me because they've seen my picture on a flyer or on the news and uh, to thank me for uh, uh, the, the transformative power uh, of, of, of education here in San Diego through the Community College District. Absolutely. Well, Carlos, I mean, that, that pretty much does it on my end. And, and again, I so appreciate you taking the time out to chat here. Before we close, I just want to ask one more question. It's a little off the beaten path, but, you know, typically we're seeing that folks are starting to travel more and more. If someone finds themselves in San Diego, where do they need to go for dinner? Ah, Buona Fricetta. It's my there you favorite go. in San Diego. It's an Italian restaurant, but you have to go to the original location in South Park. And I'm, I'm particularly fond of it because I come from the Northeast a town that was largely Catholic Italian. Um, many of my neighbors, you know, produced homemade Italian food for me as a kid growing up. And so when I came to the East Coast, it just isn't that concentration of Italian culture. Uh, but this restaurant is the real deal. It, it gets the award uh, perennially in San Diego Magazine for pizza of the year, but it's their pastas that um, that are the sell for me. So, <laughs> and there if you're you in San Diego, please find me and I'll take you there myself. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good reason to get out to San Diego. <laughs> Carlos, man, it's been a pleasure. I, I really enjoy every opportunity we have to chat. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you, the evolution, and all that you do to advance um, the work of continuing education, which is often overlooked in, in our space. This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, Modern Campus supports every corner of the modern institution, from continuing and workforce education, to student affairs, to the registrar's office, to marketing and IT. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of the modern learner, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.